Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Money on the Brain. Today, I'll be talking with Garrett Sutton. Garrett is a lawyer, an author, a speaker, and he is an expert in various corporate and personal financial areas. We'll be discussing his latest book titled Scam Proof Your Assets, Guarding Against Widespread Deception. It's all about keeping your money safe from crooks. Garrett, thank you for talking with me. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, you bet. This is such an important topic. I've been looking forward to this. I believe your book about scams is especially timely. Uh, even for myself, about a month ago, I wrote a column about phishing emails, as I seem to have been getting a lot of those lately. Um, so you've written quite a few books about personal finance, books about buying real estate, starting your own corporation, financing your own business, getting out of debt, and others. Now, what what inspired you to write a book about scams? Well, Dave, I'm part of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, community. Uh, these books are all in the Rich Dad Advisor series. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is the best-selling financial book of all time now. And mm -hmm. they did a survey of the Rich Dad community, and, and the company asked people, what are some of your greatest fears? And the one that came out uh, really loud and clear, Dave, was being scammed. And so this was a, a, a fear that everybody that they surveyed had. And so it was decided to write a book about it, uh, how to look out for them, how to take steps to prevent them. And so that was the genesis for Scam Proof Your Assets. That makes sense. Uh, it seems like just such an incredibly depressing and sad and terrible thing to happen to anyone. So... I can understand their fears. Now, I was struck by a couple stories in your book in particular. Your book has quite a few stories, but there are two that stood out to me. Uh, the stories of the minister who got sucked in by the Nigerian email scam and the 85-year-old woman who thought she won the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. And I want to fill in our listeners real quickly. Uh, the minister believed he was helping the chief of security for the Congolese president manage $55 million dollars. And for his help, he would receive $16 million. And the 85-year-old woman believed she had finally won $1.5 million in the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. And in both cases, in order to receive their money, the crooks gave instructions to send several payments before they could receive their millions of dollars. And these payments were supposedly to satisfy IRS and tax requirements and fees for the woman. And for the minister, his payments were supposed to pay for warehouse fees to store all the cash and to pay Nigerian lawyers and to bribe bank officials. And each of these individuals followed the instructions and sent several payments to the crooks totaling thousands of dollars while, of course, receiving nothing in return. And it just seems very surprising. Why do you think people fall for these scams where they have to send money to a stranger over and over and over again? Well, there are a couple reasons, Dave. I think one of them is especially with the Nigerian email scam, which is really based on uh, an old scam in the 17th century and 18th century called the Spanish letter. Uh, this type of scam has been going on for centuries. Uh, but one of the things is they just played the numbers. I mean, they send out massive amounts of emails and they only need to get one out of 100,000 people to respond to it. And they're off mm -hmm. to the races, uh, you know, gaining money. 
Another reason, well, two more reasons, Dave. I think, you know, a lot of us are taught to be trusting, you know, in, in society, you, you trust uh, certain people, authorities, and, and people will play, uh, pray rather on your uh, sensitivity towards trusting those in authority. The other thing that's out there, and this really applies to the millennials who, who get scammed as much as the elderly, uh, is there's a thing called the overconfidence effect. People believe that they know better than anybody else out there. They're, they're too confident. They're overconfident and they uh, can get taken uh, by these swindlers just because they believe they're smarter than the swindler. Um, okay. and, and so you just have to really be careful uh, when you're dealing with these types of situations. Now, with the Nigerian email scam, everybody's received one of those uh, almost. And, you know, most people now know not to fall for it, but they're still out there. We still receive it. So it's still working against some people, which is unfortunate. So these scammers wouldn't be using these techniques if they didn't work, right? Right. Yeah, the Nigerian email scam, it's almost become a joke, but apparently still gets a few people. Well, they're laughing to the bank in Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So you mentioned in your book that Americans were scammed out of almost $2 billion in 2019, but that many people won't report it because they are shamed or embarrassed. Now, what should someone do if they are the victim of a scam? I mean, is, is it even worth the time and effort to report it? Well, I think it's worth the time and effort, even if you aren't a victim. If you've received something from a scamster, even if you're not a victim, you need to report it to the federal government. Part of the problem here, Dave, is that the, the federal government doesn't realize the extent of this. You know, we mentioned people have lost, uh, you know, billions here, billions there. It's much higher than that because people don't report this. Oh, and right. so if you're a victim, you need to report it. If you've, if people have sent you uh, a scam solicitation and you don't fall for it, you still need to report it to the government because the government really needs to step it up here. Uh, they are uh, not doing enough to stop this. And one of the chapters in, in my book, Scam Proof Your Assets, talks about steps we need to take to prevent this kind of, it's, it's a widespread criminal wave here, Dave. I mean, people are getting away with the theft of billions of dollars and people, there's an emotional wreckage associated with it. People are committing suicide over this. And so we need to start enforcing our laws and going after these people. And the fact that someone's in Estonia doesn't matter. We have the ability to go after those people. We just need to report this to the government and start demanding that they take steps to cease this crime wave. Right. Yeah. I, I remember reading in your book, you alluding to this sort of thing. It, um, would it be accurate to say that the government kind of seems to be sitting back and saying, hey, when these crimes are committed, then we'll try to help you. But they they're not proactive. They don't go after these guys first. Well, it's worse than that. When you're a business owner and you get hacked, uh, the government blames you for being hacked and the criminal goes free. They make no effort to go after the criminal. So the government, instead of going after the honest business person who did not intend to be hacked, no one intends to have their business hacked. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of going after the innocent business owner, they need to go after the people who are perpetrating this widespread crime wave. When you hear about the suicides and the people who have their retirements wiped out that they have saved for decades, absolutely, they need to go after these people. Yeah, they really do. And uh, it's interesting, the International Red Cross, uh, representing uh, medical professionals throughout the world, sent a letter to all of the uh, you know national leaders of various countries, begging them to go after these scamsters because the uh, hospital system in many countries have been threatened with ransomware uh, uh, attacks. There was a case in Germany where a hospital uh, was hit with a ransomware attack where the software system was shut down and uh, a patient died from this. And so the Red Cross is extremely concerned that these scamsters are out there roaming free and are going to be able to wreak havoc upon medical systems. Um, so it's interesting that the people are finally going to the governments and saying, look, you need to take steps to stop this. Wow. So not only are people losing their money, but now it's literally killing people. Right. Wow. In in one of your chapters, uh, you wrote that 17 million Americans are victims of, of identity theft every year. So, of course, I mean, I think people know we've got to protect our personal information. The problem is it seems that to sign up for any product or service or, you know, even if you just want to order a pizza online, you have to surrender all sorts of personal information. So when you create a new account or you place an order with a company, how can we know? Are there ways to know when we're being asked to to reveal too much personal information? Well, that's a good question, Dave, and and others have asked it. And and for me, you just have to you have to rely on your spidey sense, right? I mean, you, oh, yeah. to, you just have to have a sense that these people are asking for too much information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm going to buy a pizza, I'm not going to give out a lot of credit card information and other uh, personal information. And if they want that information, I'm going to go somewhere else right. um, because these ki- types of businesses. Uh, get hacked all the time. Now, if you are a business owner, you may want to consider getting cyber liability insurance, which can protect you in the in the event you've been hacked. Uh, but as to your original question, if if people are asking for too much information, I log off. Right. Just go somewhere else, right? Yep. Okay. When you're signing up for accounts and things, uh, is there any any piece of personal information that you recommend that people always refuse to hand over? Well, the social security number, you don't need to give that out in, in, in normal circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. The state of California has passed a law saying you can't require people to give out their social security number. Um, so, oh, okay. you know, if someone's asking for your social security number over the phone, you just say, well, you know, I have a house in California. I don't have to give it to you. <laughs> right. But you don't even need to quote the California law. Don't give it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a that's a big one. And, and you know, Dave, people will come across as friendly and helpful. These scamsters are, are good con artists. And uh, before you know it, they get you talking and you feel comfortable with them. And then you're giving up all this valuable information. So don't get lulled into that. Right. 
lots of scammers these days. If we move on to the phone scams, it seems that a lot of scammers are contacting victims on their phones. And, you know, how do we protect ourselves against phone scams? Should we just stop answering our phones or? <laughs> well, I, my wife has done that. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, you can add your number to the do not call list or, you know, not answer calls from unfamiliar numbers. Um, right. But, you know, caller ID can be useful, but it's not guaranteed. I mean, the, the scammers can cloak their numbers to uh, local uh, area codes. So you just have to be really cautious. I, um, we still have a landline at home for us because I just, in an emergency, I think you want a landline. Uh, but if, sure. if the number comes up and I don't recognize it, I, I don't answer it. Right. That seems like a pretty safe and easy way to combat phone scams. Would you recommend, you know, every now and then I'll get a phone call from someone and they sound nice and they sound like they're from a nonprofit who is genuinely raising, you know, they're, they care about kids or they're trying to raise money for uh, hospitals or for the state troopers, or those are the calls I get. Would it, would it be simply a good idea to just never give money out or, you know, credit card information out over the phone to someone you haven't called first? Absolutely. And if they are a true 501c3 registered charity, they should have a website. They should be able to refer you to uh, information about their, uh, their group they should provide you with the names of people who are on the board of directors and go to the website and check them out. But like you're right, Dave, they, 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 they always call about the state troopers. Everybody wants to support the state <laughs> troopers. <Yeah>. But, <laughs> you know, how much money actually goes to the state troopers? None. So just on those kind of calls, um, I think People are good. It's better off when you select a charity that you're going to support all the time. And you know that charity, you know the people involved with it, and just tell the people who call up, I already give to a charity. I have one favorite charity and that's, you know, that's what I contribute to. And I'm not uh, open to uh, contributing to the state troopers who have a better pension than I do. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, Garrett, I like how you included a true story about a particular type of scam in each chapter of your book. For me personally, it reminded me that these scams are in fact real and that real per real people get hurt by them every day. Uh, I think there's a tendency for a lot of people to scoff when they hear about a certain scam and say, well, no one would ever fall for that. But as I read your book, I saw, hey, these scams are going on all the time. Do you do you have any stories about a particular scam or scammer that you'd like to share that didn't make it into your book? Yeah, and I will say that uh, you know people will scoff, like you say, Dave, uh, because they're too smart for this. But there's a chapter in the book about this wine expert who was a scamster, and he was mm -hmm. able to swindle all these smart and very well regarded people. So the fact that you're a well-educated, smart person doesn't mean you're not going to be the next target. Uh, mm -hmm. The one story that didn't make the book, I, I, you know, I had to limit it at, at some point, uh, was about reverse mortgages. And you know, they are there are some reputable reverse mortgage companies, uh, but at the same time, there are plenty of them 
that prey on seniors. And so I think you just have to be very cautious when it comes to the reverse mortgage. And, and basically the reverse mortgage is like it sounds, the, the, the elderly couple has paid off their home, but now they need money uh, to live on and yet they still want to live in their home. That's where they've been for 60 years. Mm-hmm. The reverse mortgage says we're going to pay you a payment every month Unlike you paying the bank every month, we're going to pay you every month. You get to live in your home. And then when you pass, we settle up on what's owed. And some of these scams will uh, have people losing their house at a, at a, you know, at a very uh, accelerated rate. Um, it's not to the benefit of certainly the heirs of the couple, uh, because the you know their most valuable asset is that house that they paid off over so many years, and it's right. gone with some of these scamsters on reverse mortgages. Wow, that's just, I mean, awful comes to mind, but that doesn't really do it justice. To, right. To wow, yeah, I, I remember in the book that uh, reading about the the wine uh, swindler. I, that that scam sounds almost too bizarre. I would never, you know, if I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a crook. I'll, I'm gonna fool a whole bunch of wine experts. I would never think about going that way, you know. So <laughs> this guy had was... a really good palate, and and you know he was acclaimed for his palate, yeah. being able to distinguish wines. But he was also good at combining cheap wine with a little bit of expensive wine to make it seem like it was a $300 bottle of wine when his ingredients cost him 99 cents. Right. <laughs> and who would have thought of that? But this guy did. Uh-huh. Wow. Some of these guys are pretty smart. Too bad they didn't just go straight and do something, you know, legal. And that's what brain. I always say. There's so much money to be made in this country by just operating in a legal manner. Why do you have to go this route? But some people, it's the energy, it's the excitement, it's... It's doing, it's being a bad boy um, and and they go in this direction. But, you know, for everybody in this country, you can make money in this country without being a criminal. Right. I got, I got the impression the, uh, let's see, catch me if you can, that, that guy, I bet part of his part of, for him was the rush, the, I'm staying one step ahead of everybody. I wonder if that was part of the deal for him to be. I a, think so. If you watch the movie, which is stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, I mm-hmm. think that was part of his, uh, you know, his reason for doing it was just being one step ahead of the FBI. Yeah. Right. Well, are, are there any particular type of scams that seem especially common lately? That people should be on guard against anything, anything come to mind? With COVID, Dave. I mean, the, the, oh. they're using, they're adding COVID to the the old tried and true scams, and uh, you know it's timely and it's on everybody's lips, and we hate COVID. And here's a yeah. here's a scam that involves COVID. So just watch out for that. Well, Garrett, I got, I got to tell you, your book is a bit scary, so maybe it's appropriate you released it right around Halloween. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's really frightening and almost mind-boggling how many different ways there are for crooks to steal other people's money. Uh, I really like your subtitle, Guarding Against Widespread Deception. That word, widespread, it's such a great one because, as you mentioned in your book, anyone 
can fall victim to a scam. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you have a job, you don't, you're young, you're a senior. Uh, I mean, everybody has really got to guard their money against scams. So I was wondering off the top of your head, what do you have any advice? What is the best thing someone can do right now? I mean, like today to keep from falling victim to a scam? Well, I think if they buy my book, Scam Proof Your Assets, and read it, that would be a good start. That would be good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Christmas gift. <laughs> the The other thing is in the book, Dave, we have at Appendix A, uh, ways you can report these uh, problems. I mean, you, you know, IC3, the, the federal government's uh, clearinghouse on it, it's good to report uh, to them. It's good to report to your state attorney general. Um, I think people starting to report to uh, their senator and congressman and state attorney generals and just say, look, I'm fed up with this. I am getting a solicitation for a scam twice a day. And you guys need to start doing something about this. This is a nonpartisan thing. It affects every single American. And I think we just have to start letting the government know that we're fed up with it. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking of, you know, I'm trying to figure out why aren't they doing more about this? I guess they just figure, well, we can't catch these guys, but they do catch them. Yeah, well, I, I think know. the government also, uh, you know, they do some of this on their own against other countries. So, um, oh, okay, you know, they may be involved in black hat activities in other countries. And, and so if they start acting self-righteous, you know, other people are going to go, well, you do the same thing to us. But I think the American public can distinguish between the, you know, the, our government protecting us from scams and then maybe using uh, electronic, uh, you know, uh, skullduggery to protect us as, as Americans at the same time. I think you can separate those two. Right. Well, Garrett, I, I want to thank you again for talking with me today. I, I discuss all sorts of personal finance topics on this podcast, but Again, I feel it's especially timely and important for people to educate themselves about scams. Um, well, you know, you're building up your net worth. Uh, you're you're working. You're going to, you know, buy assets, have assets, protect assets. We don't want to lose them to some scammer that comes along and has done no work whatsoever, but takes your assets. I mean, this is another, this, this is a form of asset protection. You know, you set up corporations and LLCs to protect your business and real estate assets. You need the knowledge and scam-proof your assets to protect them as well against all these scamsters. We mentioned, you know, what's the best thing someone can do right now to keep from falling victim to a scam. And actually, I, I do think getting a copy of your book would be great and reading it because as I was reading it, you know, I, of course, I've heard of of some scams, familiar with a few, but there were some in your book. I was just like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, they can steal my money by doing that. <laughs> I just, I didn't realize. And that's why I said, you know, your book's a bit scary because these crooks are, they're smart and they're creative and they won't stop. And so sometimes it's just so valuable just to know what is out there and know what you need to be careful of, you know? Right. And in the book, I mean, we, we lay out various scenarios, various scams and swindles, but they keep changing and evolving. 
right? So you can't, I mean, I'd have to update the book every three months to keep up with it. But what we do talk about is the templates and patterns of fraud. That's what's important is learning how to identify that you are being charmed or you're being manipulated um, so that you can, no matter what the scam is, you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. Once again, everybody, Garrett Sutton's newest book is Scam Proof Your Assets, Guarding Against Widespread Deception. And you should be able to find it at any bookstore and Also, see if your library has it. If they don't, request that they purchase it. And I'll also put a link to the book in the show notes. So, Garrett, thank you once again for sharing this. This very valuable information. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time on Money on the Brain. 